welcome to this podcast. I'm David J. Ridges, the author of the Gospel Studies Made Easier series of study guides. Today our topics are sections 137 and 138 of the Doctrine and Covenants. These are marvelous revelations with many, many doctrines, and we will be a little hard-pressed to cover uh, most of them in the brief time we have. So let's dive right in. First of all, sections 137 and 138 were not originally part of the Doctrine and Covenants that I grew up with, my parents grew up with. Uh, sections 137 and 138 were accepted as scripture by the general um, membership of the church in the April 1976 General Conference. They were then added to the next edition of the Doctrine and Covenants in the new set of scriptures, the Triple Combination, in 1981. In section 137, we read of a revelation given to the prophet Joseph Smith on January 21st, 1836 in the Curlin Temple. It has many uh, very fascinating basic doctrines of the gospel. Uh, let's look at verse one, this is a vision of the celestial kingdom, what it looks like there to some degree. Joseph Smith says, verse one, section 137, if you want to follow along, hopefully you've got your scriptures with you. Verse one, the heavens were opened upon us, and I beheld the celestial kingdom of God, and the glory thereof, whether in the body or out, I cannot tell. That's rather interesting that the prophet couldn't tell whether or not he was in the body or out of the body or just his spirit, whatever. So one of the things we learn from this is that spiritual manifestations are given to us through our spirits. These kind of revelations come to our spirit. And Joseph Smith explained this as follows, and we're going to quote him now. Quote, all things whatsoever God in his infinite wisdom has seen fit and proper to reveal to us while we are dwelling in mortality in regard to our mortal bodies are revealed to us in the abstract and independent of affinity of this mortal tabernacle, in other words, of our body. It's given to our spirit, not to our body, independent of our mortal body. He goes on to say, but are revealed to our spirits precisely as though we had no bodies at all. And those revelations which will save our spirits will save our bodies. God reveals them to us in view of no eternal dissolution of the body or tabernacle. In other words, independent of the physical body completely. By the way, you'll find that in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 355. Next, the Prophet describes 
the, how beautiful the celestial glory is. I saw the transcendent beauty of the gate through which the, uh, the heirs, in other words, those who attain celestial glory, of that kingdom will enter, which was like unto circling flames of fire. He goes on in verse 3 to say, Also the blazing throne of God, whereon was, was seated the Father and the Son. Verse 4, I saw the beautiful streets of the kingdom, which had the appearance of being paved with gold. By the way, in biblical color symbolism, gold represents the very best, the highest blessings from God, and so on and so forth. Next, in verse 5, Joseph says, I saw Father Adam and Abraham and my father and my mother. Now, by the way, his, at this time, his father and mother are still alive. So this is showing to him the future where they will be in celestial kingdom. Also, he goes on to say that he saw my brother Alvin that had long has long since slept. In other words, who had already died. Alvin... Uh, died on November 19th, 1823. So he was still alive when Joseph Smith had the first vision. Let's go on and finish up uh, this one so we have plenty of time for section 138. Uh, but first of all, there's a major doctrine taught here. Joseph Smith had long since been worried about his brother Alvin, who died before the church was organized, and he wondered what's going to happen to Alvin. He hasn't been baptized. Well, this revelation answered that question for him, uh, and the Lord, as he gave this vision to Joseph, noticed that he got a question going in his mind, namely, uh, how could Alvin be in celestial glory since he hasn't been baptized? And in answer to that question, uh, the Lord will tell him, well, let's read it in verse 6. And marveled, Joseph said that he, and marveled how it was that he had obtained an inheritance. His brother Alvin had obtained an inheritance inheritance in that kingdom, seeing that he had departed this life before the Lord had set his hand to gather Israel a second time, and had not been baptized for the remission of sins. There's the question. It comes up now in Joseph's mind. And the answer, verse 7, thus came the voice of the Lord unto me, saying, all who have died without a knowledge of this gospel, who would have received it if they had been permitted to tarry, in other words, if they hadn't died when they did, and if the gospel had been here, shall be heirs of the celestial kingdom of God. Also, verse 8, all that shall die henceforth, in other words, from now on, without a knowledge of it, who would have received it with all their hearts, shall be heirs of that kingdom. In other words, the doctrine here is, 
all who would have accepted the gospel had they had a sufficient opportunity in this life will accept it in the next life. We'll learn more about that in section 138. And they will attain celestial glory. That's a huge doctrine. Gives a lot of peace to our hearts when we're worried about a loved one or someone that has passed away. And maybe they were living really good lives, but just hadn't received the gospel. What happens to them? Well, the answer again, verse 7, Thus came the voice of the Lord unto me, saying, All who have died without a knowledge of this gospel, who would have received it if they had been permitted to tarry, shall be heirs of the celestial kingdom of God. And verse 8, we'll repeat it again, Also all that shall die henceforth without a knowledge of it, who would have received it with all their hearts, shall be heirs of that kingdom, meaning the celestial kingdom. So, this covers many bases. For instance, uh, what about a spouse who wants to be sealed in the temple but is prevented because the husband or wife is not converted? And what about the faithful single member who is prevented from celestial marriage because of health conditions or lack of finding a mate? Uh, the questions go on and on, but the answer is clearly and simply given in verse 9 next. And by the way, one of the principles here is that God is completely fair to everyone. That's the huge answer to any of these situations. God is completely fair. Verse 9, For I, the Lord, will judge all men according to their works, according to the desire of their hearts. So we see that the honest and faithful saint, for instance, who is prevented from keeping all of the commandments, perhaps he or she can't even pay tithing because a spouse forbids it. So that we see... The honest and faithful saint who is prevented from keeping all the commandments upon which exaltation is contingent during mortality will be given the opportunity to keep these in the next life because, why? Because of the sincere desires of his or her heart in this life. And that goes back to verse 9, that God is completely fair. He will judge everyone according to their works, and you might want to mark this in your own scriptures, end of verse 9, according to the desire of their hearts. So an honest, righteous desire of the heart, righteous desires of the heart will bear big sway and have a lot of influence on Judgment Day. Also, verse 10, one of our favorites, you probably have heard of this many times, and I also beheld that all children who die before they arrive at the years of accountability are saved in the celestial kingdom of heaven. That's huge doctrine. How many children who die before the years of accountability? That we understand is age eight, all of them will be saved in the celestial kingdom of heaven. So that uh, brings up a question there in verse 10. 
So does verse 10 mean that little children who die before the age of eight are saved at least in the lowest degree within the celestial kingdom? Or does it mean that they will receive exaltation in the highest degree of that kingdom? The answer is simple. They will be exalted. President Joseph F. Smith, who was the president of the church uh, at the turn of the century in the first, uh, he died in 1918. He taught this wonderful doctrine, speaking of little children who die. He said, quote, Under these circumstances, our beloved friends who are now deprived of their little one have great cause for joy and rejoicing, even in the midst of the deep sorrow that they feel at the loss of their little one for a time. They know he is all right. They have the assurance that their little one has passed away without sin. Such children are in the bosom of the Father. Now listen to this next sentence as part of it, the quote. They will inherit their glory and their exaltation. Now that's a doctrine. Little children who die before the years of accountability are saved in the celestial kingdom of God, not only saved in the celestial kingdom, but will inherit their exaltation. That brings up some more questions. In fact, how are they going to get married since they died as little children? And you know that Marriage, celestial marriage, is a requirement for exaltation because exaltation means uh, having your family unit together forever. It means the husband and the wife will become gods. It means that as a couple sealed for time and all eternity, they will have their spirit children, and when they've had enough of their spirit children, they will eventually get to the point where they will have worlds created for their spirit children. They can send their spirit children to an earth where they get a physical body, same plan of salvation that our Father in Heaven is sending us through. They will go on to gain their uh, exaltation if they live worthy and also become gods, just like their heavenly parents are. So the basic question, how can they be exalted since they are not married? Well, the answer is simply they will choose a mate in the spirit world, post-mortal spirit world, where they are now, and either choose a mate in the post-mortal spirit world or during the millennium, then they will introduce themselves and their fiancés to mortal members of the church during the millennium who will be sealed for them by proxy in a temple. Now, Joseph Fielding Smith, who was a president of the church also, taught this very clearly. Quote, We have people coming to us all the time just as fearful as they can be that a child of theirs who has died will lose the blessings of the kingdom of God unless that child is sealed to someone who is dead. 
They do not know the wishes of their child who died too young to think of marriage, but they want to go straight to the temple and have a sealing performed. Such a thing as this is unnecessary and, in my judgment, wrong. Going on with the quote from President Joseph Fielding Smith, the Lord has said through his servants that during the millennium, those who have passed beyond and have attained the resurrection will reveal in person to those who are still in mortality all the information which is required to complete the work of these who have passed from this life. Then the dead will have the privilege of making known the things they desire and are entitled to receive. In this way, no soul will be neglected and the work of the Lord will be perfected. By the way, you can read that if you'd like to in Doctrines of Salvation, which is a three-volume set of the teachings of Joseph Fielding Smith. Doctrines of Salvation, Volume 3, page 65. Volume 3, page 65. Well, section 137 is a wonderful and powerful section and adds to our knowledge of the details of the plan of salvation immensely. Now let's move ahead to section 138. Here, there are many more doctrines that add to our knowledge of the plan of salvation. Uh, by way of brief background, section 138 is a record of a vision given to President Joseph F. Smith. That's Joseph Fielding Smith's father. He was the sixth president of the church, and this revelation came to him six weeks before he passed away. It came to him on October 3rd, 1918. He was wondering how Christ could have gone to this spirit world and taught the gospel effectively in just the very brief time between the time of his crucifixion and the time of his resurrection. And so President Smith was pondering, and this is a reminder to us that pondering is a way to open up the gates of heaven and receive inspiration and revelation ourselves. He was wondering, and in verse 11 of section 138, we read, As I pondered over these things which are written, the eyes of my understanding were opened, and the Spirit of the Lord rested upon me, and I saw the hosts of the dead, both small and great, in other words, relatively unknown people who have died, and also the great ones that are well-known and powerful and influential. And going on in verse 12, And they were gathered together in one place, an innumerable company of the spirits of the just. The just means those who are worthy of celestial glory. So he is seeing a vision of paradise in the spirit world, the post-mortal spirit world. And Bruce R. McConkie, member of the Quorum of the Twelve, 
described paradise. He said, quote, Paradise, the abode of righteous spirits as they await the day of their resurrection. Paradise, a place of peace and rest where the sorrows and trials of this, this life have been shuffled off and where the saints continue to prepare for a celestial heaven. Paradise, not the Lord's eternal kingdom, but a way station along the course leading to eternal life. By the way, eternal life always refers to exaltation. A place where the final preparation is made for that fullness of joy, which comes only when the body and spirit are inseparably connected in immortal glory. By the way, that quote comes from the mortal Messiah, volume 4, page 222, in the hardbound paper edition. Sometimes when you get e-books, the pages are have different numbers than in the hard book. So, going on, uh, let's just look at the doctrine we're going to be seeing here. The doctrine is this, the righteous spirits in paradise were anxiously awaiting their resurrection, knowing that Christ had been crucified and would soon be visiting them prior to their resurrection with him. By the way, in last week's uh, Come Follow Me, uh, reading and studying, we studied section 133, and one of the things that we saw in section 133, the Doctrine and Covenants, verses 54 and 55, told us who was resurrected with the Savior when he was resurrected. You, you might just go back and read 133, 54, and 55. Verse 15, I beheld that they were filled with joy and gladness and were rejoicing together because the day of their deliverance, in other words, the day of their resurrection, was at hand. And they were assembled, verse 16, awaiting the advent, meaning the coming, of the Son of God into the spirit world to declare their redemption from the bands of death. Now, uh, let's move ahead. I'm kind of looking at the clock here. A uh, lot to do and a little bit of time to do it. Uh, one of the doctrines we're going to be taught clearly here in section 138 is that Christ did not preach personally to the wicked in spirit prison or even to, there are a lot of good people in spirit prison. We'll say a little bit more about that in a minute. Uh, but Christ did not preach personally to the wicked or to those in spirit prison. Verse 20 says it clearly, but under the wicked he did not go, and among the ungodly and the unrepentant who have defiled themselves while in the flesh, his voice was not raised. There were people, verse 22, where these were darkness reigned, but among the righteous there was peace. Now, just a little explanation here. 
On occasions, a student will ask why we refer to it as spirit prison. The answer is simple and important. And by the way, some people who have a favorite aunt and uncle that wasn't a member of the church or uh, who had opportunities but maybe never took advantage of them, they'll wonder, well, my uncle, my aunt, they were good people. How come they're in prison? The answer is simple and important. Sin and ignorance of truth place a person in a type of prison in the sense that they cannot progress. For example, without knowledge of the gospel, we cannot live the gospel and pursue eternal joy and happiness and exaltation. And also, if individuals get caught up in worldliness, worldliness and evil, they are in bondage because there are eternal limits placed upon them unless they repent. So, in this sense, they are in prison. They are limited. And President Smith now goes on to describe the righteous, the spirits in paradise. And uh, he does that in verse 23, 24. They are worshiping God. And verse 25, uh, President Smith answers a question that comes up in his mind. And he gives us the question first. Verse 25, I marveled, in other words, became curious, for I understood that the Savior spent about three years in his ministry among the Jews and those of the house of Israel, endeavoring to teach them the gospel. And yet, verse 26, Notwithstanding his mighty works and miracles and proclamation of the truth in great power and authority, there were but few who hearkened to his voice and rejoiced in his presence and received salvation at his hands. Verse 27, but his mystery, this is the question that comes up in President Smith's mind, but his ministry among those who were dead was limited to the brief time intervening between the crucifixion and his resurrection. And so he wondered how it was possible in so short a time to, for him to preach to those spirits in prison and so forth. Well, the doctrine we learn here uh, is this. The righteous spirits in paradise are sent on missions into the spirit prison. The spirit world mission field, by the way, is what I prefer to call the spirit prison. I like to call it the spirit world mission field. And so here's how, in such a short time, he opened up the work for the dead, the preaching of the gospel to those who are in the post-mortal spirit world. Verse 29, And as I wondered, my eyes were opened, and my understanding was quickened, and I perceived that the Lord went not in person among wicked and the disobedient who had rejected the truth to teach them. But, verse 30, from among the righteous, he organized his forces and appointed messengers clothed with power and authority and commissioned them to go forth and carry the light of the gospel to them that were in darkness. Now, how many is that missionary work going to be going to? Answer, 
even to all the spirits of men. In other words, everyone in the post-mortal spirit world, mission field, or spirit prison, everyone there will ultimately be given a perfect opportunity to understand and then accept or reject the gospel before final judgment. That's really important. We all know people here, uh, I know uh, people, I know a person who was actually listening to the missionaries and then a member of the church uh, who was active in the church was arrested on a drunk charge. And this man that I'm thinking about, he did not like hypocrites. And as soon as uh, actually one of the people, the state missionaries who was teaching him the gospel at the time with his permission, finally, uh, one of those state missionaries was arrested on a drunk charge. And so he never opened the door for the missionaries to preach to him again. Hypocrisy really bothered him. I can see him in the post-mortal spirit world now in a perfect setting and with the help of the Holy Ghost listening to the gospel again and really becoming converted and being able to accept the work for him that will be done, has been done in fact, by proxy in the temple. So, a major doctrine here, all will receive a perfect opportunity to understand and then accept or reject the gospel of Jesus Christ before they are brought before the judgment bar of God. And so, great understanding of how God is completely fair. Now, according to verse 32, uh, there are two major categories of people in the spirit world mission field, in other words, in the spirit prison. Verse 32, thus was the gospel preached. Now remember, we're talking about spirit prison, or not paradise. We're talking about people being called on missions from paradise, going to the spirit world prison, or as I said, I like to call it the spirit world mission field. Verse 32, thus was the gospel preached to, one, those who had died in their sins without a knowledge of truth. Or, and I really appreciate that they include this category, or another group, in transgression, having rejected the prophets. That covers pretty much everyone. By the way, uh, as we study this, we need to be a little careful because we know in the Book of Mormon it says that this is the day uh, for us to perform our labors. And if we procrastinate the day of our repentance until it's everlastingly too late, then there cometh the night of darkness wherein no labor can be performed. Be careful because that is a context-sensitive Thing too, and the day of our repentance and the day of our opportunity has to include 
the opportunity in the post-mortal spirit world, because here in verse 32, it says, Thus was the gospel preached to those who had died in their sins without a knowledge of the truth, or, this is the important answer to this question, or in transgression, having rejected the gospel. So, according to the vision of President Joseph F. Smith had here, those even who rejected it here, will be given a perfect opportunity to understand it and feel the testimony of the Spirit and accept it or reject it there in the post-mortal spirit world. Well, let's summarize this. From verse 32, which we just read, we understand that there are good and honorable people in the spirit world mission field who have not had the gospel adequately preached to them or have not heard it at all. Also, there are intentionally wicked individuals there in the spirit world mission field. Obviously, there are also many people who fit somewhere in between these two categories. It's much the same as here on earth as far as missionary work is concerned. They all need to have the gospel preached to them, and that takes place in the spirit prison. By the way, Joseph Fielding Smith addressed the topic of who goes to paradise and who goes to the spirit world mission field as fo follows. I'll just give a brief quote. Quote, as I understand it, the righteous, meaning those who have been baptized and who have been faithful, are gathered in one part, and that would be paradise, and all the others in another part of the spirit world. This seems to be true from the vision given to President Joseph F. Smith. So, going on with the quote, uh, from after Joseph Fielding Smith's quote that he says those who go to paradise are those faithful members of the church who've been baptized and this of course also includes little children who die before the years of accountability and these are gathered in one part meaning paradise and all the others in another part of the spirit world so, this whole doctrine should be very comforting to those who worry about good and honorable loved ones and friends who have died but are yet, not yet in paradise. They realize that these loved ones are not being punished by being sent to the spirit prison or mission field. Rather, they are being given an opportunity to hear, understand, and accept the gospel, just as is the case with people on earth. Furthermore, they must accept it in an environment of opposition and diversity of thinking and belief systems. There are a lot of those in the spirit world mission field in prison there, just as we have it here on earth. If they accept it and are faithful there, they have every opportunity of obtaining the highest degree of glory in the celestial kingdom, in other words, exaltation. So, verses 33 and 34 are very key doctrines here. Let's read them. Verse 33, what are they taught? Answer, these were taught faith in God, repentance from sin, vicarious baptism for the remission of sins, 
The gift, by the way, what does vicarious mean? That's work for the dead. Uh, we are baptized vicariously for those who have gone beyond. Continuing now in verse 33, baptism for the remission of sins, the gift of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands, verse 34, and all other principles of the gospel that were necessary for them to know in order to qualify themselves that they might be judged according to men in the flesh. But, in other words, have the same uh, opportunities and uh, decisions to make between good and evil that we have. But live according to God in the Spirit. In other words, again, they will be judged by the same standards as mortals who have the opportunity to live the gospel here. And then verse 35 summarizes, And so it was made known among the dead, both small and great, the unrighteous as well as the faithful, that redemption had been wrought through the sacrifice of the Son of God upon the cross. So, verses 36 and 37 next now summarize the fact that the spirits of the righteous were organized into a mighty missionary force to preach the gospel to all the dead who had not yet qualified for the privilege of being in the presence of the Savior like those who were in paradise were. Verse 36. Thus it was made known that our Redeemer spent his time during his sojourn in the world of spirits, instructing and preparing the faithful spirits of the prophets who had testified of him in the flesh. Verse 37, that they might carry the message of redemption unto all the dead. I love that, all the dead unto whom he could not go personally because of their rebellion and transgression, that they, through, that they, through the ministration of his servants, might also hear his words. That is marvelous and comforting doctrine given us in section 138. Now just very quickly, look at the people that President Smith saw there in paradise. Uh, verse 38, he saw Adam. Verse 39, he saw Mother Eve and many of her faithful daughters. Verse 40, he saw Abel and Seth. Verse 41, he saw Noah and Shem, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. Verse 42, he saw Isaiah. Verse 43, he saw Ezekiel. Verse 44, he saw Daniel. 45, he saw Elias. And by the way, if you look under Elijah, that's Elijah. You can see the Bible dictionary under Elias for that. So 45, he saw Elijah. And verse 46, he saw Malachi. Verse 49 tells us all these and many more, even the prophets who dwelled among the Nephites, mingled in the vast assembly and waited for their deliverance. Now there's another doctrine here coming up. 
uh, and it, namely that we will miss our mortal bodies after we die. We will consider the limitations of not having a physical body to be a type of bondage for us until the resurrection for us. Verse 50, For the dead had looked upon the long absence of their spirits from their bodies as a bondage. Now, let's just finish up. There's a major doctrine here that uh, many choice spirits were reserved to come to earth during the last days. I'm sure you've heard that many times. Our prophets have mentioned it often, that uh, we have been reserved to be born until the last dispensation. We are the ones, the generation, so to speak, and that includes us and uh, older members than we are, younger members, those yet to be born and raised in the church. Uh, we've heard the doctrine that we were preserved and born in the last days, held back to be born. Now, in order that we might be those who keep the gospel from going into apostasy again. It is the strength of the members of the church now and going forward and in the past from the time of Joseph Smith and so forth. We are the ones who will keep the gospel from going into apostasy again. It is because of us and this generation that the gospel will go forth to all the world and will never go into apostasy again. It will be going forward and improving and increasing throughout the world until the Savior comes and takes over as our leader and King of Kings and Lord of Lords during the millennium. So let's see the doctrine on that. Uh, the doctrine again is that many choice spirits were reserved to come to earth during the last days. It's verse 53. He also saw the prophet Joseph Smith and his own father, Hiram Smith, and Brigham Young and John Taylor and Wilford Woodruff, and watch this. This is the one you would mark if you're marking them. Other choice spirits who were reserved to come forth in the fullness of times to take part in laying, of the found, laying the foundations of the great Latter-day work. So here we are, and uh, many, many choice spirits have been held back and reserved to come forth now to do the work we just talked about. Now, uh, we will finish up with just a couple of things here. There's another doctrine here, and that is that we were taught the gospel of Jesus Christ during our pre-mortal lives as spirit children of God. Verse 56, even before they were born, they, with many others, received their first lessons in the world of spirits and were prepared to come forth in the due time of the Lord to labor in his vineyard for the salvation of the souls of men. Now, let's finish up with a 
with this concept. Uh, verse 57 tells us simply that after faithful men die, they serve as missionaries in the spirit world. Now, there's a question that comes up. What about faithful sisters after they die? Will they also serve as missionaries in the spirit world? The answer is clearly yes. President Joseph F. Smith, in a book that has his writings and teachings and sermons, it's called Gospel Doctrine, and it's in Gospel Doctrine, page 461, where this quote uh, is found, a quote, now among all these millions of spirits that have lived on the earth and have passed away from generation to generation since the beginning of the world without the knowledge of the gospel, among them you may count at least one half are women. Who's going to preach the gospel to the women? Who's going to carry the testimony of Jesus Christ to the hearts of the women who have passed away without knowledge of the gospel? Well, to my mind, says President Smith, it is a simple thing. These good sisters who have been set apart, ordained to the work, called to it, authorized by authority of the holy priesthood to minister for their sex in the house of God for the living and for the dead, will be fully authorized and empowered to preach the gospel and minister to the women while the elders and prophets are preaching it to the men. Now, we understand that oftentimes those, uh, they will be going as couples with their husbands, but at any rate, the base is fully covered. Men and women who are righteous and faithful will join in preaching the gospel to the dead in the spirit world mission field. Now, finally, how will these dead, regardless of whether they never heard the gospel or did hear it and rejected it, if they are converted, then how do they gain their exaltation? Well, verse 58 says, the dead who repent will be redeemed through obedience to the ordinances of the house of God. Same as us. 59, and after they have paid the penalty of their transgressions and are watched, washed clean by the atonement, of course, shall receive a reward according to their works, for they are heirs of salvation. Lastly, President Smith bears his witness that this is true. Verse 60, thus was the vision of the redemption of the dead revealed to me, and I bear record, and I know that this record is true through the blessings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Even so, amen. Likewise, I bear my testimony that these marvelous things are indeed true in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In 2022, expect wonderful changes from Come Follow Me. David Ridges is handing the reins over to capable hands with Come Follow Me, made easier. Hosted by Linda Cherry and joined by five dedicated and knowledgeable masters of the scriptures, Casey Griffiths, Brian Reedy, Lori Denning, Robert Miller, and Sam Castor. 
Starting December 13th, you can find it on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes and more. Brought to you by Cedar Fort Publishing and Media.